1: It's time once again for a look into God's infallible book as we welcome you to another edition of The Riches of Grace. My name is Richard Jordan. It's my privilege to be your Bible teacher and host each week as we meet together. Uh, This program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible is the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. And our purpose as we meet with you each week to, to study God's Word is simply to help you to understand and enjoy the Word of God. We desire for God's Word to go to work in your life and to be the life that God desires it to be. And we trust that our time together will be a rich blessing and help to you uh, to, and, and uh, to that end. We're looking again today at the issue of salvation. Last week we we talked about salvation from the penalty of sin through the blood of Christ. Today I want to talk to you about salvation from the power of sin by the life of Christ. You know, salvation, that word saved and salvation is an, is an all-inclusive all-encompassing word. It's a big word. Uh, It's not just talking about one thing. Actually, many times, it's not even talking about spiritual things. Uh, But there are three phases to to spiritual salvation that you and I can experience in Jesus Christ. Um, Phase one is salvation from the penalty of sin. And that's what the blood of Christ does. It pays for our sin debt. Then there's salvation from the presence of sin by the coming of Christ and, and our being gathered together to him given a resurrection body a body that is a spiritual body it's called made to function eternal in the heavens so that's what we call phase three of salvation that's in the future one's in the past from the penalty of sin to the blood of Christ phase three is in the future uh, uh, through the, the coming of Christ and then there's salvation right now Phase two, in time, salvation from the power of sin by the blood of Christ. You see, being saved from the penalty of sin is not an end in itself. It's the beginning. A lot of people talk about getting saved, and they, they're thinking about not going to hell. Now, that's not an inconsequential thing, by the way. December thirty first, 1962, that's a long time ago. You know, Uh, I I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. And the night that I got saved, and I say that because Titus chapter three, verse five, Paul says, by his mercy, he saved us. (laughs) I've been saved, brother, saved from the penalty of sin. For six months before that night, I went to bed almost every night. Every night I can remember praying, Lord, don't let me die tonight because if I die, I'm gonna go straight to hell and I don't know what to do about it. I did everything every preacher every preacher told me. I did everything every church that I could find told me, and I went to everyone I knew about. I did everything I could do and never found any peace until the night I realized that it wasn't what I did, it's what Christ did. It did not what God wanted me to do. It's what God's son already did, and all I had to do was just trust him. All I had to do was rest, cease from my own labors, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what God has accomplished for me through him. And when I did, I got saved. I got um, I get redeemed. I got reconciled. People say, you got born again. All that kind of stuff. Well, that was phase one. But I want to talk to you today about something beyond that. Because escape from judgment is, is, um, is part of, of the gospel. But it's not the whole gospel. It's the first phase happens in a moment, an instant of time. But between that moment and the time the Lord comes from us and the resurrection, which also happens in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, there is this life that we live in between, and that's phase two of salvation. And this is where a lot of folks falter. Uh, You know, Christianity is characterized by this continual search for something more this restlessness that's based on believing that there's more just around the corner, that there's something else for me. I've been preaching a long time. I've watched Christian people a long time. They'll have what they call revival meetings, camp meetings, dedication meetings, and whatever you want to call it. But there's one fad right after another that comes down the road to try to, to 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 play on that sense that, that that Christians seem to have that there 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 there's more. You're gonna, you're gonna find more dedicated service. You can find the deeper communion, something to make you more spiritual you know? I just do more personal evangelism, pass up more tracts. If I just had deeper Bible study if I could chase some gift and find my spiritual gift, if I could participate in body life or worship and praise. Maybe I. somebody says, well, you need to be in an accountability group so you have someone to be accountable to. Somebody says, well, what you need to do is memorize the scripture. Oh, somebody says, we need morning quiet time. We need to be a part of a prayer chain. We need to have integrity in the workplace. I mean, all these things that you hear people talking about. Why are they chasing all those things? Because they think there's something more than what they already have. There's this restlessness based on believing that just around the corner, just around that next little quick fix, there's something more for me. And how's it working for you? (laughs) You know what? People's lives have fallen apart anyway. You go to the average Christian bookstore now. Nowadays, you got to find one to go to it. But if you do, there's all kind of books: how to have, a, how to be happy though married, how to win over depression, how to raise your kids without trouble, how to, how to, how to, how to. And if you want to have an instant Christian bestseller, r- write another how-to book. Find a problem and how to it. You know why? With all those how-to books. People's lives are still falling apart, but everybody, people have that sense that there's got to be more, and they chase it, and the result is that there, there, it's just, it's just disillusionment with teaching, because it doesn't work. Disillusionment with teachers. I mean, you just get tired of people trying to manipulate you. It just doesn't work, and you know what? you're right it doesn't it won't work a dear a dear man when i had just gotten saved been saved about maybe a year year and a half a dear old brother put his arm around me one day and he said ricky tell me something are you finding it difficult to live the christian life <laughs> i said mr cook i sure am he said can i tell you something rick it isn't difficult it's impossible it's impossible only Christ can live his life. And he gave me Galatians 2.20, and I never forgot it. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life of the line, I now of the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, all these fads to try to get a little more, a little more dedicated a little, little deeper, a little, little more commitment. Just get squeeze a little more out of your Christian life. They don't work in the long run. Because it's not I. It's not what I do. It's Christ. Colossians, he says, when Christ, listen, who is our life? Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. You see, he's our life. Romans 8, verse 2, he says, For the law, listen, the law, the operating principle of the Spirit. The law. Here's the the principle by which the Spirit of God works. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You see, he is our life. That's why Romans 5, verse 10, he says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son... Much more. Don't stop at the cross. Being reconciled. Having the cross put away sin and bring us to God. We shall be saved by his life. Now you see, that's saved, that's the phase two salvation. It's not that his death didn't save you from the penalty of sin. It did, but he said there's more. There's much more than just the cross. Too often... Too often Christian people have been pointed to the cross for their forgiveness and the putting away of their sins and nobody remembered to point them toward the resurrection and the life that God gave them when he put away their sin. You see, the finality of the cross is followed by the reality of the resurrection. And in God's mind, He doesn't separate them. No, we do. One of the reasons that people do that for you is because if they get you saved, there's an old saying out in religion, you win them, you wet them, you work them, and you whip them. And bless their hearts, they'll go get you saved from the penalty of sin. But then they're going to, when they wet you, I'm talking about baptism, they they get you into their system, and then they work you. They put you back on that religious treadmill. Why? But if you want everything there is to. Think about when somebody, they win you to Christ. Then they say, now if you really want to please God, you got to get baptized. You want to live in obedience to him and to his divine commands, you got to get baptized. And then you got to work, walk, be careful. Don't mess with it. <laughs> you know how foolish that is? Think about this. When Jesus Christ say, when you get saved, the Bible says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. The Holy Spirit of God takes you out of Adam and places you into Jesus Christ. We call that positional truth because you're in him. But when he put you in him, he made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. That new position gave you a new identity in Christ. Now you're a saint of the Most High God. And Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when he put you into Christ, what did he do? He blessed you with all spiritual blessings. Colossians 2, 10, he says, He has made you complete in him. Now, friend, if, you, if God gave you in his Son, the moment he saved you and he put you under Christ and in Christ, he gave you all spiritual blessings, made you complete. What is it that you need to do to get him to give you more stuff? You see, you've got it all the moment you trusted Christ. Somebody forgot to tell you Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Every spiritual blessing made you complete in Christ, given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Where? In Christ. Not in what you do, but in what he did. To miss that makes you double-minded. You see... It's it's not I, but Christ. And you try to go back and make it you, and what you do, that makes you double-minded. And and the book says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Somebody said you study the Word of God, you study the Word to know God, you study psychology to study yourself. That's nuts. (laughs) Psychology won't tell you about yourself. God's Word does that. If you want to know your true self, as a believer, if you want to know your true identity, you'll have to discover that identity in Christ. You'll have to find that identity in him who alone is your life. John 17, verse 3, when the Lord Jesus Christ was about to go to Calvary, just just a few hours before, he's praying And he prays to his Father, he said, This is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You see, that's eternal life, is to know him who is your life. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't come to show you the way. He is the way. He didn't come to share with you some truth. He is the truth. He didn't come to leave a a, a manual for you to live by. He is your life. And you need to go to the word of God to know him. When you go to the word of God, you find him. Jesus told his apostles, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they are life. By the way, he told those same apostles in in that prayer, I'm sorry, uh, in that prayer in John 17, he tells his father, he prays, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Well, he said, I'm the truth. Revelation 19, he has a name written, and it's called the word of God. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the living Word of God, and when you trust Him, and when you rely upon Him, well, you you're relying upon God's Word, and when you rely upon God's Word, you're relying on Him. The Apostle Paul, after giving a long list of things he could do, he says in Philippians three that um, we have that we worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. <laughs> That's wonderful, isn't it? Though I might also have confidence, he says, in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof he he might trust in his flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisees, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. Paul said, you want ritual? I had it. You want relationships? I had it. You want respectability? You're in race and religion and rigor. I had it all. But all those things that were gained to me, I counted them loss. Why? For Christ. Yea, doubtless, Paul says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of Christ, of the, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all these things that I could do. And to count them but dung. Ooh. Why? Why would Paul speak so uh, sharply about all of his efforts to please God? That I may win Christ, he says, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. You see, my life, my righteousness comes from me performing me accomplishing some things. Paul says I don't want my righteousness which is the law because I fail but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith. That's the key. Now why does he want to do all that? Why does he want to get rid of his abilities what he's doing and just trust in what Christ did? That I may know him And the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. He said, "Wait a minute, brother Rick." I said, "I I thought you said Paul was already, already knew." Yeah, isn't that interesting? In Philippians three ten, he says, "I count everything I do, and can do, as dung, just waste products, no value, that I may know him." Now, Paul in, in in Philippians. At least 35 years he'd lived a Christ intoxicated life. What's he mean, that I may know him? Well, he's talking about phase two, not phase one. He's talking about that I might know him more personally, that I might know him more intimately, that I might know him more powerfully, that I might might know him more directly, more emancipatingly, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. You see, we're saved from the power of sin through the life of Jesus Christ. Romans 6, verse 14, Paul said, For sin should not have dominion over you. It won't have power over you. For you're not under the law. You're not under a system where you go and perform, and what you perform and what you do determines the outcome. But you're under grace, you're under that gift system. Where God not only gives you eternal life and saves you from hell, but he puts you in Christ and then he gives you all spiritual blessings and makes you complete in Christ. And there's not just something waiting around the corner if I just perform and push and strive hard enough. Get off the treadmill, bud, lady. Where you get your identity, where you understand who you are, Life, the life of Christ is in his word. First Thessalonians 2.13, he says, Paul says that I thank God for you. Oh, I just rejoice about you, Thessalonians, when I think about you. Because when I preach to you, you receive what I preach not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, listen, which effectually works in you that believe. God has placed the life of Christ in his word And when you depend on that word, and that's why we say to you week after week, you have to learn to rightly divide the word of truth. If you can't rightly divide God's word, you can't get the profit out of it. He's put in it for you. But when you depend upon an intelligent understanding of God's word to you, it's His life in you that you're depending on. Let me ask you something where do you get your identity today? You say, Well, Brother Rick, I'm a mother. I'm a businessman. I'm an athlete. Oh, I'm a, I'm a surgeon. Uh, I'm young and beautiful. <laughs> well, what happens when all that goes away? What happens when you're old and wrinkled? Or if you're a surgeon and your hands begin to shake? You're an athlete and you're, you're a step slower than your competition. You're a businessman, and the business goes away. You see, if you're getting your identity out of all those things, every one of them's going to change. You need to get your identity out of something that doesn't change. Can I tell you, what you depend on controls you. What you depend on controls you. That's why people can be controlled by a little bitty inanimate object, a little white pill because they depend on it to give them certain feelings. You need to know a person who loves you. Not a, you don't need to know a list of rules and formulas. You need to know somebody that loves you without their list of rules and formulas. You see a little child skin his knee. What does he need? He needs a mother's love. He didn't need a first aid class. Little boy skins his knee. Have you ever understood? Tell about the love of God that passes all understanding. You see a little child, they'll fall down and skin their knee. My grandson, I watched him do that. Fell off his skateboard, skin his knee. I tried to comfort him, and no, no help. His mother came and wrapped her arms around him, and he sobbed a few times, and there was comfort in a mother's embrace. <laughs> Now, you can't explain that, but you've experienced it. That little child with that skint knee needed a mother's love. He didn't need someone to give him a lecture in a first aid class. Well, that's that's what it is. When you depend upon Christ and his life in you, then you find that the power of sin, we sing that little song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. It's a wonderful thing. You know, salvation from the power of sin is not going to be in what you do and how you perform and how you strive and how you try to get it out of your life because you can't and you won't. The only way God has of dealing with sin is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why Romans chapter 6, Paul says, don't you know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, and let me say it again, every time I quote that verse or read it, I say to you, when he says every one of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized during his death, there's not one drop of water in that verse. Some people are so tied to religious tradition and dogma that every time they see that word baptize, they go, water! They just can't help themselves. And there's not water anywhere in that verse. I heard a preacher, a famous preacher, say one time, in a passage that doesn't tell you what the baptism is, assume it's water. If it doesn't tell you what you're baptized in, just assume it's water. Well, look at that verse. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, doesn't that tell you what you're baptized in? It doesn't say water, it says Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Rick, but how do you get baptized into Jesus Christ? He's not here. He's in heaven. You were baptized into his death. How can you get baptized into his death? He died two thousand years ago. So it must be water. But that isn't what it says. You see, it must be water to fit your religious system, not to fit the Bible. Just read what the verse says. Know you not that as many of us Romans six three were baptized into Jesus Christ? We're baptized into His death. Therefore, we were buried with Him by baptism into death. This is a it a baptism into water. It said baptism into death. You say, well, water, it doesn't say anything about symbolizing. It says it is. Here is your co-crucifixion, your co-burial, and then the next verse, you're raised up with him. You're literally crucified, buried, and raised with Jesus Christ. Now, how can that happen? Well, it obviously can't happen physically. But it can happen spiritually. Right by that verse, if you don't have it written down, you need to do it right now. First Corinthians 12, verse 13. Let your Bible be your authority. What saith the scripture? You see, right here you're going to find out why the Christian life's been so frustrating for you. Because somebody failed to tell you what the key to it is. The key to your Christian life is your identity in Jesus Christ. The fact that God has identified you in Jesus Christ, in his death, which became your death. You can say with Paul, I am crucified with Christ. His burial became your burial, and his life became your life. You can say with Paul paul nevertheless i live yet not i but christ lives in me right now why because i was baptized into jesus christ by being baptized into christ i was baptized into his death therefore as we were buried with him by baptism into death like as christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so also should we walk in newness of life 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. You see, the moment the spirit you trusted Christ, the Spirit of God took you out of Adam and put you into Jesus Christ and gave you, if any man be in Christ as a new creature, gave you a complete new identity in Christ. And that new identity is where your life is. Salvation from the power of sin or the life of Christ simply means that we live in the life of ...that God gave us in his Son. Christ is our life. That life is in his word. And as I believe his word rightly divided... ...and as my faith rests in an intelligent understanding... ...of that word to me... ...it allows the Holy Spirit the power... ...the liberty, the freedom... ...to take that life and put it into the details of my life. Jesus Christ gave his life for you at Calvary... ...so he could give his life to you... ...the moment you trusted him. So that he could live his life through you... ...day by day as you walk by faith in an intelligent understanding of God's word to you. Let me give you a free Bible study. Uh, It'd be a CD. It's entitled, Our Complete Salvation. The True Full Gospel. We're talking about fads and denominational hype, the reality of Christ living in you by faith and sound doctrine from the word of God rightly divided. If you've been frustrated, disappointed, disillusioned, listen, Christ is still our life. It's not us. not others and he still lives and will live in you and through you if you'll trust him. Our complete salvation. I'd like to give you the Bible study. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. 888-535-2300 You can contact us on the World Wide Web by going to graceimpact.org graceimpact.org Easiest way is just call me here 888-535-2300 and ask for the Bible study our complete salvation. Thanks for being with us today. Till next time,
0: Marinath. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn.